is its PR Darlings, a podcast all about the dark arts of public relations, publicity and all things media. You could get 4,000 mentions, but what was the sentiment? What was the share of voice? How does that compare with your competitors? Did you, in fact, get key message cut through? Join us to explore the world of modern communications and how to build better relationships with media. The most important aspect of a pitch or a press release for journalists who are the audience of that release is that the story is original, newsworthy and relevant to that journalist's specific field. If you want an insider's look into today's newsrooms, then come along for the ride. We're speaking to all kinds of journalists, producers and industry experts stories that have videos attached uh, you know do generate more traffic video allows for pre-roll advertising and um, which is you know an additional revenue stream for digital um, sites and and new sites that is uh, another new service that we're working on we want public relations professionals to work hand in hand with journalists in a way that builds trust to deliver quality journalism and stories people love I'm Greer Quinn from Forward Communications. It is a female-dominated industry, so what are we doing? What are we doing? Yes, very, very better. One of the things that I found quite shocking was that only 94% said that they respect the embargo date. It used to be 100%. It was always, it was just an unspoken rule. And I'm Jo Stone from Sticks and Stones PR, and together we are your PR darlings. Welcome to It's PR Darlings. I'm Jo Stone from Sticks and Stones PR. And I'm Greer Quinn from Forward Communications. Following on from last episode with ABC News Breakfast host Lisa Miller, we thought we'd continue the theme of news values. As baby journalists, news values kept us anchored in our reporting. That's because they tether us tightly to our audience. News values relate to human psychology. They're the ingredients that pique our curiosity to draw us in and keep us there. At the end of this episode, we'll unlock the news value of proximity. And proximity is a really great one to think about when you're tailoring pitches, which is something we're really going to focus on today because we have a human dynamo as a guest today, Amrita Sadhu from MediaNet and Mediaverse. Amrita is the Director of Media Intelligence at the prominent PR software company that boasts a media database, jobs board and journalist call-out platform to name a few parts of the business and it is widely used by PRs and communicators across Australia. You might recall that Greer and I did a collaboration with MediaNet last year and we delivered a webinar and workbook on crisis communications and you can find that on our website as an online resource if you missed it. But since Amrita has taken the driver's seat at MediaNet, there's been some new additions to the service and a recent report on the current landscape of Australia's media. Amrita previously worked at Australian Associated Press, but she also worked at another media tech business in Singapore. She sits more in media strategy, technology and analytics, so her mindset is a bit different from PRs and journalists, and I think all of us could be a little savvier when it comes to metrics. So we're very interested to speak with Amrita and find out a little more about MediaNet's new direction, and we also want to hear about this media report, which includes findings from almost 1,000 Australian journalists. After all, as our listeners know, understanding the work of journalists is essential to developing successful media and PR strategies. Thank you for coming on the show, Amrita. Pleasure to be here, Greer. Thank you for having me. 
Can you just start by telling us a little bit more about your role at MediaNet and what it involves? Sure, I'd love to. Thank you. Uh, So I'm the Director of Media Intelligence for our MediaNet and Mediaverse businesses. Sounds like a bit of a mouthful and you can hear lots of references to the word media in there. My role is very much about finding opportunities um, for partnership and growth and leveraging quite the unique position that we have within the media landscape, in particular the news media landscape and and how our businesses fit in there. And and I think it's, you know, really quite an amazing journey this business has, has been in which, you know, I'm excited to talk to you about over the course of the next little while. Because you're no stranger to um, the media database world. You've obviously previously worked at AAP, which used to be part of MediaNet. So has that been kind of like a homecoming for you or do you think that the organisation has really just changed too much? There's definitely been an element of homecoming for sure and I've, I've really enjoyed that aspect of it and kind of recalibrating um, and realigning myself with the news media landscape in, in Australia as well after having spent the last four and a bit years um, working more in the Asia region. The business has changed a lot and um, PR and, and media in itself has changed a lot in the last four or five years. So it's been really interesting to see the role social is increasingly playing, the role of embracing technology and making your services more accessible. Uh, that's obviously moved a lot um, in, in the last few years as well. So it's it's both elements. If, if I can kind of sit 50-50 on that question, there's definitely the homecoming, nostalgia, feeling quite comfortable and familiar and then there's elements where you're quite surprised to see the growth of the business or see the areas that our industry has developed into in the last four or five years. We can't wait to deep dive into what MediaNet can actually do and to pick your brains on the power of data to help PR professionals develop and improve our campaigns. We are keen to kick off with MediaNet's Australian Media Landscape Report that you released recently because it's covered lots of the things that we chat about on the yes. show. It's like pet peeves and preferred pitch times and all those things. So we actually read this report with great interest And I think, look, there's tons of things that we can unpack here, but I was wondering if there was anything that really jumped out of the report at you as a key finding for people working in PR and comms. So I think there were um, there were a couple of things that I thought um, would be really helpful when it came to PR practitioners and helping them communicate better with journalists and then therefore kind of improve journalistic content. And, you know, one of the really key sentiments that came out of that report was that the most important aspect of a pitch or a press release for journalists who are the audience of that release is that the story is original, newsworthy and relevant to that journalist's specific field of um, reporting and audience. And we had about 68% say that their biggest pet peeve, you mentioned the pet peeve Mm -hmm. there, was when they're contacted by PRs and the story being pitched is not relevant to their current audience or their field or their subject matter of interest. So that's one thing that we try really hard at MediaNet with our database and the accuracy of our database is to make sure that we we are in touch with those journalists, which is our secondary audience, to make sure that, um, you know, their information about which field they're working in, which topics are of interest is, is up to date so we can help address that pet peeve. Um, and I think that's a really important, um, you know, takeaway from that report. 
So one of the things that I know um, as a user of Medianet is when you're in the back end, you can see the journalist's Twitter profile if they have one. You can read their bio. Um, you can sometimes click on the links of the publications. Are they are they tools that you've specifically put in place or are you building on because of uh, this particular finding? I know you do these reports um, most years. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we want to do more of that because ultimately great data um, will help drive a better service and um, more value for our PR practitioners and, um, you know, in the way that they communicate with the journalists and within the news media industry. I think another really interesting finding after a couple of years of really pandemic driven news is that we had over 50% of journalists say that either themselves individually or their media organisation has sought more positive or feel good stories. That was recently. interesting, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. That, I, that's I a big change. That yeah, that's a massive change in the uh, in the way the news cycle works as well. It's actually, it's great because I think we're sort of fed so many negative things. You can kind of get re- into a real mindset. Uh, one of the things that I found quite shocking was that um, only 94% said that they respect the embargo date. Yes. Um, and I think that's uh, something that's a real insight for um, for PRs when they're pitching to journalists too, it used to be a hundred percent. It was always yeah. it was just an unspoken rule. Rule, absolutely, absolutely. And media is a competitive industry, right? We all know that. Being able to break the news first, and now you're competing against social, where news albeit you could argue, you know, the reliability of that news, we're competing as um, media and PR and news professionals against social and things breaking on those kinds of platforms. So, yeah, that was um, that was a really good call out that, that you make there because uh, an embargo should be theoretically 100% always abided by. And, and I think some of the pressures around um, being seen at the forefront of news, the competitive pressures in an industry that has continued to face, um, you know, a lot of financial and cost constraints. Uh, I, I think, you know, there's there's quite a clear uh, delineation there in my mind about, um, you know, what used to happen versus perhaps some of the industry um, reflections now. Mm. To me, it sort of indicates um, disruption within the industry and um, a breakdown of those non-spoken conventions that used to be at play and really in place. And they seem to increasingly be, um, you know, broken down over the years. Mm. Absolutely. And I think uh, one of the other things that for me was quite meaningful that came out of the report, perhaps a little eye-opening, but, you know, really it did impact me quite personally when I looked at it. And that was um, this overwhelming sense of feeling harassed um, and this undermining of the media that has come out in the last couple of years and in particular around younger journalists feeling, um, you know, uh, quite harassed when they're in um, and out on um, reporting jobs and um, talking to people, especially through the pandemic thing, as I said. So imagine um, if us PR and comms professionals can approach them with a lot more empathy, a lot more understanding of what they've been through because they've been frontline workers as much as, much as other uh, industries have more obvious frontline industries over the last couple of years. So I think empathy, understanding, taking time to build the relationships as PR professionals with those people in the newsroom is is incredibly uh, valuable because that finding in the report about the mental state of our journalists was was quite impactful for me. 
Absolutely. We, um, Joe and I both have lots of friends in the media and we have heard some horrific stories and, and they have actually said, particularly the TV journalists who are very visible, you know, with the camera operator and the microphone, Mm. um, they've had people yeah call out their windows in cars they've had people come and interrupt their live crosses and um all sorts of horrific events i I really do feel for uh, those frontline journalists and uh, it's been quite the last couple of years for us all i know absolutely Thankfully, we're coming out the other side of it. There are, um, you know, really important things coming up in the new cycle and it just have been with the federal budget in an election year. We've got an election coming up and lots of good positive things, I think, on the horizon for um, us, um, you know, socially as well. So hopefully some of that will balance itself out. So was there anything in the report that actually really surprised you as well? What surprised me most, um, I have to say, and I don't know really why I am surprised about it, but I would have felt that by now this is something that we would have addressed in this industry and that is really about the significant gender pay gap um, and, you know, 30% of male journalists earning over $100,000 compared to just 16% of um, female journalists, right, more than double. And and to me, um, that's still a pretty um, confronting issue. And, and I feel like we should be better than that. We should have gone ahead of that. Um, and, and so for me, and, and it's something I do personally feel quite strongly about, so, so I'm answering this very much from, from my own sentiment. Um, uh, yeah, I, I was surprised. I don't know why I was surprised. I probably shouldn't have been, but, but I was surprised and, you know, I'm feeling like that is something that as an industry we should be addressing or should have addressed by now. Absolutely. And I think um, anyone that studied uh, journalism in Australia would agree that most people sitting there in the lecture theatre are actually women. And um, it is a female dominated industry. So what are we doing? What are we doing? Yes, very better. Something that something else that stood out for us in that report was around the timing of media releases and when journalists preferred to uh, receive them. So by and large, um, it looked like Monday morning early was the pref- the preference. Yeah, that, that's right. It was Monday morning early and, um, you know, again, quite uh, interesting for that particular, um, you know, type of a time to be where um, people are thinking about what they're going to be covering and going into their first news conference of the week um, and, you know, planning out stories. And, and I think that really just shows the importance of hitting the inbox at the right time um, with the right type of content and um, making sure that you're creating those connections and brand connections so that when it is your press release that's hitting that journalist amongst others at 7am in the morning, yours can really stand out or you have that kind of relationship connection. So I think that's a really great call out there as well. We always have to be mindful though, right? Because if we give that advice to everyone, we'll have every brand and every PR professional trying trying to hit the inbox at, um, you know, 7, 8am on, yeah. on a Monday morning. And, <laughs> and then it's really hard to get um, cut through. So one of the other things we try and do at MediaNet to support um, our clients and those professionals is is every day we go through all the press releases and we personally curate them and we send a selected curated list 
into some of the top media outlets in Australia based on our understanding of topics of interest as well. So that's just an additional supportive service that we provide to our clients just to help them get some more cut through. So that's your, you call that the editor's desk or what do you call yes, that? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. yeah, that's our editorial service and, you know, very, very well received and adopted um, by the journalists. And we very regularly get um, pick up off the stories that we pitch on behalf of, of our clients and, and we're quite selective and the type of story um, grouping we may pitch into the Daily Telegraph, for example, is very different to something we might pitch into um, a smaller regional publication or into AAP, which we still have a very strong relationship with. It's quite an interesting offering and just to clarify for the listeners or people that potentially have used Medianet, you wouldn't be able to access that unless you actually also use your distribution service. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. That is correct. And what we really want to do with the service that we're providing by bringing our distribution on our database into a single portal is unlock access to value-add services like that. So while it would rely on um, those clients or those users um, using our distribution mechanism, there's no additional commercials or, you know, charges or any other kind of, um, you know, budget consideration for then accessing our editorial desk and making sure that, you know, your your press release is being um, filtered and looked at by, by our editorial team. Yeah, and speaking of those developments, what are some of the recent changes to the Medianet service that people may not know about? And yeah, Joe and I were really interested, and so are our listeners. What what's Mediaverse about as well? Sure, happy to happy to kind of talk that through. So on the Medianet service, there are two primary, uh, you know pieces of value that we look to provide to PR and um, communicating kind of professionals. The first one is a media contacts database, and we have about 36,000 media contacts across 15,000 outlets in Australia and, and New Zealand. And then we enable um, through a second product and a second platform, we enable PR and comms to pr- professionals to send press releases and information that matters out through our service to um, the wider media network and editorial um, network. Now, those have historically been two very separate services. So one of the recent things that we've done is bring those two services together and really simplify the way you engage with our platforms and and our technology and make it much more accessible, um, find new avenues for uh, distribution. We talked about influencers a little bit, um, and I think that's a, that's a really interesting place for us to be finding distribution and creating those media connections. So that's definitely been an um, important element of uh, service enhancement for us on the Medianet side of things. When it comes to Mediaverse, I always try and look at the media intelligence circle as, as I like to call it. So it starts off by finding the right media contacts communicating them uh, to them in a way that helps you achieve earned media. Then it's about understanding what the impact of that media pickup was. And I think sometimes PR and comms professionals can get a little too focused about monitoring their media mentions. You could get 4,000 mentions that particular month, and that's fantastic for you and your brand. But what was the sentiment? 
off those mentions? What was the share of voice? How does that compare with your competitors? Did you, in fact, get key message cut through? So all of those um, analytics and insights is what our Mediaverse service offering does. It looks at sentiment, share of voice, um, spokesperson, pickup, uh, advocates versus detractors, and it bundles that all up so that the next time you start that media intelligence circle and you look at um, the contacts you want to make and the distribution you want to do, you're coming from a far more um, empowered and data-based approach. Can you get reports out of the Mediaverse content? Yeah, absolutely. And that is the core output of the Mediaverse content is reports, actionable insights, as I always like to refer to it, because um, you don't just want a report that you can circulate around your senior stakeholders. You want something that your comms and your PR teams, you know, the the people on the coalface can actually do something with. So that's really what we try and do on Mediaverse, show the insights that matter in an actionable way, not at a board level or C-suite kind of way. Mm, that's such an insight too into how your campaign's going if you can actually see those kind of analytics. That's amazing. Absolutely. And I think sentiment is a very um, important uh, insight or data point that quite often we undervalue because you can have positive sentiment and then negative sentiment and then neutral is the other one um, that most media coverage falls into. But there are many shades of neutrality. And that's another thing that we really try and help our clients dive into because otherwise you could have 60 or 70% of your media coverage that's neutral. And for a PR professional, sure, that's a valuable data point, but what what more can you take on that? So we also help break down something as straightforward as neutral sentiment to, again, make it more meaningful, make it more actionable the next time that PR professional or communicator wants to reach out and, and push for earned media through our services. And what are the, the sort of, yeah, I was just going to ask, what, what are the sort of clients that are actually seeking out that service? Because that sounds, um, you know, maybe something that the in-house corporates would really crave to have that so that they can report back to their internal stakeholders, for instance. Yes, it is primarily in-house corporates that we work with, as well as um, government and certain government agencies. We do partner with PR agencies as well to be able to provide them the service for their clients too. So it's a real, um, you know, mix across those three categories, but an in-house corporate team, definitely from our feedback and the types of clients we've historically worked with, they do see a lot of value. The PR agencies that are so stretched already and have many clients and many balls in the air, being able to have a trusted pair of hands that they can uh, utilize to give those insights as well, there's, there's quite a strong partnership. Um, that we can make available. Because mm, reporting is one of those pain points that PR agencies go through. I mean, we, we spend so much time executing um, on the tactical stuff to then spend that extra time reporting. It's quite time consuming and it's quite a different skill set to storytelling and pitching. Yeah, absolutely. And and we put so much effort into that storytelling, the pitching, the crafting, the release, the scouring, um, you know, a database like MediaNet's one where you've got 36,000 to make sure you get it to the right people of those 36,000. There's so much effort that happens at the front. We just want to help close that loop, close that circle and show you that effort was meaningful or where you can be better next time around. 
Now, the media landscape is a dynamic one. It's ever-changing. If you were to play the role of futurist for a moment, what are some of your predictions for media and communicators and where we're headed? Oh, playing the role of futurist. I love it. Um, I, uh, I hope uh, my crystal ball uh, will hold me well here. Uh, I think one of, the, one of the things that I can really see becoming very important is the role of influencers. Um, and this has been some, something in between social media and traditional news media and the ability to connect as PR and comms professionals um, on behalf of a brand or your own brand with this group of um, individuals that aren't necessarily journalists or um, editorial professionals, but they have quite an audience that trusts them, thinks that what they say is reliable, um, you know, is a supporter and an advocate of them. I think it's very important for us to find um, a channel and a way into these influences, but also um, to connect with the right influences for the brand that we're representing, not just influences for influencers sake. So I think this is going to be a really interesting um, talking point over the next year or two and how do we get the balance between news out to what is more traditional and mainstream media versus um, you know other other types of distribution channels or other types of important um, promotion channels that are more fringe earned media. Even though we're all over the pandemic, it's unfortunately not over. And we know that there's been huge changes in the way the media operates, which we can also see reflected in this report. We're curious how COVID has potentially impacted what you do, because so much of PR is about connecting. Yeah, look, I think one of the most important impacts it's had is this shift into hybrid working and how we've had to adjust the approach for creating meaningful connections with our clients, a lot of which are PR and comms professionals, and then our secondary group of clients, as we like to refer to them, which are the journalists and, and the media professionals in our uh, contacts database. You know, in this virtual world, it's it's nearly impossible to read the signals in the room, um, you know, and make eye contact and use all of those other kind of relationship building tools. So needing to be on point, um, being agile uh, as a skill is is very important and very paramount for us. Um, Really have um, both with our own people as well as those two audience groups um, really tried to take a much more humanistic and personal lens into business growth discussions, strategy discussions, um, and really being prepared to embrace some disruption and be unflappable along the way as well. And and one of my teams said this to me the other day, and it's absolutely stuck in my head as as such a um, great comment. And that was, while we might be dressing down, more than ever, we need to perform up. And I think that really stuck with me because it was such a nice way to articulate how we've had to adjust as a business. Um, there are things that have been, you know, deprioritized that are perhaps not the same way that they were, but the performance and the relationships and the value that we're giving to both sets of our clients is even more paramount now than it ever was. It's great to hear about innovation in the industry too. So what does the next few months actually hold for MediaNet? You have a new journalist call-out option. 
So, yes, we did launch our um, journalist call-out service uh, a, a couple of months ago now, and that is when the journalists um, and media editorial professionals that we work with can go onto our platform and uh, make a mention of a particular topic or subject that they're looking for more information on, and then uh, our PR type clients can get onto the platform and if they have relevant information from their brand or one of the brands that they're representing can contact that journalist directly and and you know provide that information so that's one of our newer services and is getting some some pretty good uptake um, just a couple of months in one of the other things we're looking at is how do we uh, get better um, visual multimedia and video content out into newsrooms, video in particular, because um, video uh, stories that have videos attached, uh, you know, do generate more traffic. Video allows for pre-roll advertising, um, which is, you know, an additional revenue stream for digital um, sites and and new sites, uh, etc. So that is uh, another new service that we're working on. And I would say watch this space. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised maybe around um, the middle of the year about how we're looking to support our clients with that, um, along with an overall update and polish of our um, PR software and our media database. So the look and the feel and the usability of that is going through a lot of um, technical development at the moment and and we'll be pushing the new iteration of that live um, around uh, the end of June. Well, that's very exciting because Joe and I are both ex-broadcast uh, and I know Joe is really big into video and um, oh, yes, yeah, we it. always are trying to encourage our clients to think quite visually. So it does get quite exciting, exciting and you can be quite creative these days um, in PR, which is fabulous. Um, now, before we leave you, can you tell us where our listeners can, can download this 2022 Media Landscape Report? Yeah, absolutely. If you just go to the medianet.com.au website and you navigate to the resources section, uh, you will be able to find it there. Otherwise, you know, feel free to submit a contact or a request for help through our website and one of our amazing team over here will get back to you and, and we'll share it. There are actually two versions of the report. There is one report that is for PR and comms professionals and a second version that we produced for journalists and um, you know any of your listeners are very welcome to access both of them thank you so much for coming on to its PR darlings Um, I'm a massive um, fan of Medianet I think I've followed that database throughout the years in all its different forms so it's been really great sitting down and having a chat with you about Medianet and what it looks like in 2022 thank you so much Guru thank you so much Jo it's a real privilege Most of us who study journalism at uni would remember being taught about news values. Today we thought we'd talk you through the news value proximity, which can really help you tailor pitches for audiences, which is what we've spoken all about today. This one is all about how it impacts me. Now, if you've listened to some of our previous episodes, you'd hear the likes of news.com.au's editor Oliver Murray, at-home editor Kelly Baker, and even journo-turned-national treasure Trent Dalton talk about how journalists are always keeping their audience top of mind. So let's deep dive into proximity. Why does this story matter to my audience? Stories about events and situations in one's home community 
are more newsworthy than events that take place far away. In a sense, journalists assess the value of the news item reporting deaths by comparing the number of deaths with the distance from the home community. And it's an awful way to do this, but it's a really good way of describing it, isn't it, Greer? It puts it in perspective, and yes, don't think that we're lacking empathy when we when we tell you this. <laughs> so, for instance, if 1,000 people die due to a climate disaster in a faraway country, the story has about the same news value as describing a story of how 100 Australians died in a distant community. In turn, that 100-person story has about the same news value as a story about when 10 victims die within our own state. And that has the same news value as an incident that kills one person in our local community. Of course, some of our own social biases impact on why some things feel closer in proximity while others feel far away. As more and more newsrooms consider inclusion and diversity in their reporting, as last episode's guest, ABC News Breakfast host Lisa Miller mentioned, it's important too as PRs that we also check these biases and consider what can we do as communicators to increase the proximity news value in our own stories. What what do you think about that, Jo? I think as communicators, we tend to be naturally empathetic and it's a good quality to have when you want to increase the potency of your proximity news value because it really um, it puts you in the shoes of the audience member. And I think always case studies help with this. You know, case studies, they put a human face to the story and they contextualise it for the reader and it increases their proximity to the story. So they think to themselves, well, that could have been me or that is me. Proximity is also very important when it comes to pitching to local media or industry publications. There's no point pitching a story about something that happened in Ballarat to the Gold Coast Bulletin, for instance, unless there's a local link. Likewise, if you are from out of town, but you do want to pitch something to media in one of the regions like Newcastle, be sure you do your research and find out some local facts and figures and links to ensure that your story is relevant to the publication's audience. And equally, for industry publications, there's no point pitching a story to Lawyers Weekly about a new product launch unless there's a direct link to law or the legal profession. Proximity opens up lots of opportunities for PRs who may carve up one story multiple ways to ensure it resonates with the publication they're pitching to. So there you go. That's the proximity news value and how PRs can increase their proximity to the outlet they're pitching to by being mindful of their audience. Thank you for tuning in to It's PR Darlings. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please share, subscribe and review. See you next time on It's PR Darlings.